Oh, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, this is uh, the night when we begin to put all together the things that we've been talking about through this uh, Lenten series. Recall, of course, that this world has suffered a terrible disaster since our God created it. Indeed, when God created this earth, he says all things were good. All things, of course, were perfect. Everything was just as God designed it to be. But then our God, in his great love for us, he gave to us a free will. And we talked about how if you really love someone, you can't just chain them in the basement. You can't just make of them a slave. You cannot take away their ability to reject the one who loves. But rather that too is part of love, isn't it? That the person has the the ability to go free. The poet says, if you love someone, you must let them go. And then if they come back to you, then they are yours. And so our God, because of his great love, he gave to Adam and Eve that free will, that ability to follow his commands or to reject his commands. Now, unfortunately, we know the choice that Adam and Eve made. They made that decision that they would disobey God, that they would eat of that one tree in the garden that he told them they should not touch it. They became deceived by the evil one. They thought that their minds might be enlightened if they took this other path, and so they ate of the fruit. The Lord God, seeing that this had taken place, he comes into the garden. Of course, they're hiding, but he says, you know, where are you? Oh, we're, we're hiding. Why are you hiding? Have you eaten of the fruit that I told you not to eat of? And oh, they had done it, hadn't they? And the Lord God, he then begins to explain to them the the consequences, the, the difficulties that they will now experience because sin has entered the world. The New Testament tells us through one man's sin, death entered the world. You see, up until that time, there had been no death. As we said, God made everything perfect. It was just So Adam and Eve, they didn't have to work and labor to gain their daily bread. But now that death is present, things begin to change. Now that death has entered the world, God begins to tell them the consequences, the the evil things that will befall them. It's not even necessarily that God is inducing punishment, but rather we can look at it as God is simply providing information. Because you made this decision, now you will have to labor 
by the sweat of your brow to earn your living. Because you made this decision, now there will be terrible pain in childbirth. Because you allowed Satan to come and gain influence with you, now there will be conflict within families. You see, there a terrible destruction occurred upon the earth because of the decision of Adam and Eve. Now, can we point back and, and, and blame God? We say, oh, it was all God's fault. Well, I guess if we're childish, right? If we're immature, well, we can say, you know, God should have known better. He should never have allowed, you know, such a calamity to have taken place. But no, that takes the responsibility from us, doesn't it? It's because of the sin of Adam and Eve that the world is in this state because they did not follow God. Certainly, we know that God was in control and certainly we understand God will be in control again, but it was not part of God's plan that Adam and Eve would sin. And we're just like Adam and Eve, aren't we? We too have sinned. We too fall short. We too have made terrible decisions at times. We have gone astray. There's times that we have not done God's will. And we call that sin, don't we? When we don't do what God wants us to do, or when we do the exact opposite of what God has told us to do, we have committed sin. We have departed from God's plan. Dear friends, really, that is the state of our world today, isn't it? A, a terrible condition. And our Lord, our God, he looked upon us with his pity, with his favor, and he said, I want to be able to make this right again. What can I do? I know I will send my son. I'll send my one and only son into this world to die for the sins of the people. My son who is perfect, who is innocent, who never has done a single thing wrong, he will make the payment. He'll do it. And so God began to devise his plans and God began to even prepare himself for that terrible day, didn't he? As our Lord and Savior hangs upon the cross, one of the, the final words that he speaks in this earthly life is that, that phrase, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
People were even confused by the great agony that our Savior experienced at that time. As we come to learn, as we study the languages, he mixed two different dialects in that same sentence. He calls out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And people hearing two different languages at the time, they were confused. What did he say? Is he calling for Elijah? Is he calling for Elijah to come and save him? What exactly did he mean? You see, dear friends, Jesus was a man just as we are human. He's just like us. He experienced every ounce of pain that was inflicted upon him. Our Savior, in such a great agony, he begins to mix languages in his pain upon the cross. So people that only knew one language, what did he say? Uh, Something about being forsaken. Oh, what did he say? He's uh, something about Elijah. No, no, what did he say? We see his apostle John, he, he was there. He knew the languages he's able to record. You know, Jesus, he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many theologians, they begin to argue, well, you know, because Jesus took on all the sin of, of the world, you know, God, God couldn't look at him because he's all covered in, in sin. But I think I probably have shared with you before my, my personal opinion is that after everything that had happened, after all the sin that people had committed and after the one and only son of God was hung upon the cross and terribly tortured, I believe God just couldn't look at us anymore. I believe that when God turned away, he was turning away from us. He just was like, I I cannot believe it. Even though God knew that it was coming, even though it was part of God's plan, still he had to be incredulous in some way that you and and I and the people of this world would hate his son so much, that we would hate him so much, that we would take his little boy who's born on Christmas morning, who grew up and never did one thing wrong, and we would hang him upon the cross. And I think when Jesus cried out and he said, why, God, have you turned away? Why have you forsaken me? It was because God just drew back and he said, I can't stand to look at this anymore. I'm going to destroy the world. Can't take it. Can God be be pressed to a a kind of breaking point? I, I think maybe that's where it is. I just cannot look. I cannot look. Look what they're doing to my son. I just can't stand it. I want to save him. I love him so much. But look what they're doing. And so at that moment in time, God himself, you know, we understand, he turned his face away 
And yet, the love was still there, wasn't it? He didn't destroy the whole world at that moment. And he, he didn't send down the legions of angels to rescue his boy and take him down from the cross. But our God loved so much, he let Jesus die. And dear friends, that is the weight of our sin. Within our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, I told you in our first of this series, we talk about law and gospel. And the reason that we want to talk about law is because we want people to feel that weight. Now, you and I understand if we just enable people in their sin, if, if people sin, we just say, oh, that's okay. If people commit sin, we just kind of look the other way or we kind of grin a, a little bit and smile at them and say, oh, yeah, they'll grow up someday. That person never learns to repent, do they? And if you never feel the guilt of your sin, if you never feel the weight of your sin, why would you need a savior? And, and so we see in the world today, a lot of people think they don't need a savior. I'll be okay. It'll, it'll balance out in the great scheme of things. Or, or even better yet, you, you know that thing that you call sin? When, when I do it, I'm actually doing God's will. Aha. See? We hear people arguing like that all the time, don't they? Why are you so mad? I'm just doing a, my part in God's plan. Why, why did you rob that bank? Oh, because it's part of God's plan. Why, why did you commit that murder? Oh, it's part of God's plan. By the world leader, why did you invade that other country? Oh, it's part of God's plan. See? And I can pat myself and I can strut around and I can pretend like I, I'm doing God's will. And in fact, it's just the opposite. In fact, people are committing sin. In fact, they're, they're doing the exact opposite of what God wanted them to do. And instead of labeling it as sin, right, you and I, perhaps today, we just kind of, oh, hey, you know, I'm sure it'll work out. I'm sure it'll be okay. Just, you know, we just kind of shrug. Our Lord and Savior, he came and he said, you know what? If someone is forgiven much, they will love much. And if someone is forgiven just a, a little, they, they just love a, a little bit. And so within our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we come with the law. We want people to understand the magnitude of their sin. We want them to understand that their sin cost the earthly life of Jesus. We want people always to, to comprehend that when they committed sin, it meant Jesus had to die on the cross. Not just he, he was kind of inconvenienced, or, or not just, you know, Jesus, he kind of went through the motions. 
But Jesus experienced all of that pain, all of that agony, and he did it for you and for me. He did it because of that love. You see, yeah, the world is a hard place, isn't it? We talked about how when Satan tempted Jesus out in the wilderness, just as he was about to begin his ministry, you know, Satan came and he said, hey, I offer you all the kingdoms of the world, if you will but bow down and worship me. At that time in history, at least, Satan controlled all the kingdoms of all the world. What he's saying to Jesus is, hey, you know, take the shortcut. No, just, just bow down, worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, right? And, you know, then everything will be just fine. Well, it wouldn't be fine, would it? Because then Jesus would have sinned. If Jesus had given in to that temptation, he would have committed sin. You know, God's plan would have been disrupted. There's no way that someone who bowed down to Satan could possibly save us from this sinful world. And it would have been ruined. But that's what Satan likes to do. He comes with that shortcut. Now just, just you know, kind of take the easy way. Just kind of take the shortcut. Everything will work out just fine if you follow my way of living. And it won't. But you and I, at times, we've taken that shortcut, haven't we? You and I, at times, we've followed that easy path. And it, it, it really is an easy path, isn't it? Because the, the Lord himself, he, he comes and he tells us, you know what, if you see someone committing a mortal sin and you fail to warn them, their blood is on your hand. Their blood is on your head. That's a hard teaching. That means you and I as Christians, when we've read the Holy Word of God, when we understand what the teaching of Christ our Lord is, and we see someone then committing a mortal sin, a sin that will guarantee they spend eternity in hell, and we just kind of bite our tongue, and we just kind of look the other way, and then we just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, I'm sure God will make things work out okay. That person's blood will be on our hands at the end of time. I don't want blood on my hands. But yet society wants us to cave in, don't they? Society wants to come and get us to go along with them. They want us to take that easy way. It's so easy to not say anything. It's so easy to turn the blind eye. It's so easy to not speak out, especially if it's among our own family members. And so then we failed. And we've fallen. But guess what? There is still hope for us, isn't there? The hope is found in Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
Those times that we haven't been strong enough, the times that we turn to a blind eye, the, the times that we fail to warn people of their sin, our Lord can come to us and we, through repentance, can seek his face again, can't we? Our Lord, he makes us strong. He makes us strong through baptism, doesn't he? He makes us strong through sending his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. You see, dear friends, it's the same for us as it was for the disciples. You know, Jesus in our text for tonight, he warned the disciples, if the world hates me, they're going to hate you. And if the world crucified me, they're probably going to do mean things to you as well. You know, if, if people in my hometown want to throw me off a cliff head first, bad things are probably going to happen when you go back to your hometown. He, he lets them know bad times are coming. How can they get through that? See, when Jesus dies upon the cross, before he's sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within them, where do we find the disciples? They're, they're hiding out. They have the doors locked. They're afraid they're going to be arrested. Right? We learn from the text. Jesus is dead. He's been crucified. He's been buried. He's in the tomb. And what are the disciples doing? They're afraid. They're hiding. They have the doors locked. They're being very quiet. Now, what if someone comes to get us? But then the Holy Spirit comes. And where do we find the disciples? Out spreading the gospel, don't we? And where do we find the disciples? We find them dying martyrs' deaths. Where do we find the disciples? We find them with enough strength to get up and go yet another round, don't we? We find that those examples going to the Apostle Paul. No, we read the, the tale of the Apostle Paul and, and you know, it, it's not, oh, and, and Paul got saved and he lived happily ever after, having grand adventures with his friends where he always persevered and uh, prevailed over whatever happened. And it's not the story, is it? Paul says, you, you know what, I, I'd go into a community and, and people would, you know, capture me, throw me in jail. They would beat me with one-inch round rods. And that happened a couple times. And Paul said, you know what, one day I was preaching in the town square and people seized me and they drug me outside of town. They threw rocks at me until they thought I was dead. I picked myself up and went to the next community. I was shipwrecked. I floated in, in the <coughs> sea for a, a couple days and a couple nights until uh, someone rescued me.
Yeah, certainly, as the apostles were with Jesus, he took very good care of them. They had a wonderful training environment. You know, they, they didn't have to worry about taking an extra purse or, or taking an extra cloak along. They, they had this wonderful freedom and everything really kind of went their way. And they could walk into a community and they could heal countless people and things were sweet, you know? But then Jesus warns them. He says, guess what? I'm going to die. I'm not going to be here anymore. And after I'm gone, you're going to need to take your extra cloak along. And after I'm gone, you're going to need to take your staff along with you. And after I'm gone, you're maybe even going to need to bring a sword. That's what he said. You're going to need to be able to defend yourself. You're going to experience great persecution. And, and there's going to be hard times, but... I will send my spirit to help you, to lift you up, to, to pick you up off the ground when you thought you were dead because people were throwing rocks at you and that's the last memory that you have. To help you up from that rack after that fellow beat you with a rod and take you back to yourself. I'll be there when people mock you and persecute you and they just do all manner of mean things to you. And I just want you to remember, they did the same thing to me. See, you're following in my steps. People were mean to me, they're going to be mean to you. Because you're mine. And then Jesus says something that's hard for us in our human effort to be able to grasp. He lets us know that we should count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. When they do these mean things to you. Because you're following after me. I say, oh man. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear that. Oh, and he lived happily ever after, right? I, mean, I was doing some, some bad things and I was going the wrong way, but then, you know, I, I saw Jesus and the Holy Spirit came to live in my heart and, and I live happily ever after. That's what I want to hear. But what is this counted all joy? When people persecute you and they mock you and they do mean things to you, count it all joy. What? I want that. And Jesus, he comes and he says, you know, if the world didn't know me, it's not going to know you. And if the world rejected me, it's going to reject you. And if the world hated me, it means they hated my father. That means they're, they're probably going to hate you. Now count it joy. 
And the disciples, they, they were able to do that, weren't they? We read about them languishing in prison. And they're singing in their chains. <coughs> and the guards are standing around going, why are they singing? What's wrong with those people? They're singing because the Holy Spirit lives in their heart. They're singing because they're counting in all joy. Sometimes maybe I go in a convenience store, I don't feel like the clerk is very respectful, and I'm you know, upset about that. And these guys were in prison. And they're getting beaten with rods and they're having stones thrown at them. And they're praising God. You see, that's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? That's the Spirit that our Lord promised to us. That you and I, we could come to be in that same state of mind. But it all comes from remembering, doesn't it? That God loves us so much. He loved us so much that he's going to bring us home to heaven. He loves us so much he sent Jesus to open the way. He loves us so much that he's going to take care of our hearts and our minds, even though our bodies are being destroyed. He's taking care of us. But it's so hard maybe to see that today. Other voices are pulling at us. Other people are trying to convince us that it's just kind of make-believe or it doesn't really matter. That, that things that are called sin, that's just old people's ideas. You know, hey, you got to get with the new way and you got to get with the new age and we got to make allowances now and we have to make changes here and there. And dear friends, God remains the same. His law remains His law. It's not about me. It's not about who my family is. It's not about my personal preference on any of these issues. It's not about even the influences that other forces have on me, but rather it's about that word of God, isn't it? What does God really say? Does he really say that that thing is bad? Does he really say if a person does that thing, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Well, then that means it's a mortal sin, doesn't it? And then you and I, we need to be able to come out and talk against mortal sin. We need to be able to keep doing it. And it might mean we go to prison. It might mean people throw rocks at us. It might mean we get beaten with rods. It might mean that somebody gets Saved. see, if a person committing sin doesn't have anyone to ever tell them, how can they know? How can they understand? How can they realize the thing they have done cost Jesus his 
life here. How can they know that? It's only when they're able to fall upon their knees. It's only when they're able to come back to God and, and say, Lord, I did that thing. Lord, I participated in that lifestyle. Lord, I was a, a part of all of that. And Lord, I need <laughs> Jesus to rescue me and to get strengthened me. And to help me to come back from that emptiness and that sin and, and that destruction. And guess what? Jesus stands there still with open arms, doesn't he? And so we finish it again with that beautiful picture of the thief upon the cross. The one hanging there beside our Lord and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And just before that, he said, oh, I deserve the death that I'm getting. See, he realized, he understood the magnitude of his sin. And he realized who the Savior was. And if he could but call out in repentance, if he could but have the Savior look upon him with grace, he could still be saved. And he was, wasn't he? Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, well, here, let me work this miracle and we'll get you down from that cross and, you know, you can go and serve for 30 years and then we'll give you a good retirement package. No. You see, that man was not able to offer any good works. He was not able to show any proof of his repentance. He's not even able to move his hands or his feet. And yet, the Lord, because he could see into his heart, gave him that forgiveness. That love. And that same love is offered for you and I yet once again tonight. You see, God loves you so much. And even if you can say in your heart that you deserve a terrible, terrible death because of the sins you've committed, God comes and says you are forgiven. And even if you're like the Apostle Paul and you say, you know, there was that time when I was persecuting the church, when I was actually hunting down Christians, when I offered to hold people's cloaks so they could get a little bit better arm action as they threw stones at Stephen to kill him. Chief of sinners, though I be, the apostle Paul, he said, Jesus forgave even me. Dear friends, though our sins be black as we look back across the span of our lives tonight, Jesus makes them white 
as snow. And though they be as crimson, they will become as white as wool. He loves us so much. That's why he came. And that's why we teach as we do. So people can understand that they failed. They've sinned. They need to repent. They need to come back and turn from their sinful ways. But they have a Savior that loves that much. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.